0: church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church, affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Your hands, you
1: hold the... Platform for your ministry. We also want to thank you who are going back to do our children's church ministry. We thank God for your faithfulness as our kids learn a valuable lesson from the word of God. Today, Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts and chapter 4. If you join me there today, once again, we turn to the blueprint of the church of Jesus Christ. And I've mentioned so many times that when, when you want to do a building, you want to create a new space or a new project, you have to begin with a plan, a blueprint of what is going to take place. And if we are going to do the church correctly, then we also need to stick to the blueprint. And that's what we find in the book of Acts. And uh, as we look in the book of Acts, chapter 4 this morning, I want to encourage you uh, from the Word of God about the church of Jesus Christ. And I want to take a moment to remind you how much this little device has changed your life the smartphone. So I use an iPhone, I know not everybody is into the iPhone, but um, the first iPhone came out in 2007, it was 12 years ago. And uh, for those of you who remember life, before the smartphone, things were certainly different. The smartphone has revolutionized how the world works, and in many ways has rewired our brains and how we think. Just take a moment to consider how many devices that the smartphone has replaced, how many devices that you used to carry around and keep in your home that you no longer need because you have this little guy. For example... A camera, nobody carries an extra camera with them anymore. A camcorder, I remember when I was a kid, man, we had the VHS camcorder that you would sit on your shoulder and you had wide and tight and every Christmas morning it would be like a project to record what's happening. No longer. How about, the, how about the separate radio that used to sit on top of your table? How about the iPod? Nobody uses iPods anymore because all of the music is right here. A calculator, you don't need a separate calculator anymore because you have an app. A voice recorder, there used to be a whole market for little teeny tiny cassette tapes with little teeny tiny cassette tape players for the purpose of recording voice notes to yourself and then playing them back late. Well, no longer, smartphone takes care of that. GPS, everyone used to have a separate little GPS device in their vehicle. How about a flashlight? Very few people carry around a flashlight with them anymore because, hey, your smartphone has one. A level. Just to see if things are level or not, put a picture on the wall. We no longer need a level. A scanner. We used to have scanners in our homes to scan documents. Well, now we can just snap a photo of them. A compass. When's the last time you saw somebody pull a compass out of their pocket? to determine which way is north. Doesn't happen anymore. We don't need it. Portable gaming devices, barcode scanners, USB thumb drives, the the use of carrying around data in your pocket, very, very rare anymore. Walkie talkies, the best name for, for a device ever. What does it do? It walkies and it talkies. You don't need that anymore. How about the landline telephone? If you still have a landline telephone, you are a dinosaur. <laughs> Very few people use that, uh, that technology anymore. How about the alarm clock? You used to have a separate alarm clock that sat on your bedstand. Uh, many people have replaced their wristwatch with either a step counter or a smart watch. Uh, the, t- the kitchen timer no longer need a kitchen timer because you have a smartphone. How about books? Very few people are actually reading paper books. How about a calendar? How about a Rolodex? How about a notepad? How about the newspaper, magazines, all of these things, Uh, board games? All of these have uh, either been replaced or, by and large, mostly replaced by smartphones, a guitar tuner, a light meter. Debit cards are on their way out because of smart uh, technology and phones, business cards, uh, remote controls, car keys, paper money, cable TV, and uh, the last on this list says communication skills. <laughs> the smartphone has changed the way that we think about life by carrying this device around in your pocket. It has made a lot of things easier, but in some ways, has made some things very difficult, hasn't it? What used to be easy has now become harder. And as I was pondering um, about the church of Jesus Christ and comparing it to the smartphone, you know, I was thinking that there are some things that the church does for us. The reason why we still come to church and we can't do it on our smartphone. My question that I want to pose to you is what can the church do that your smartphone cannot? What can the church do in 2019 that your smartphone is still incapable of doing? Well, let's begin to answer the question by reminding ourselves what the church uh, uh, cannot do. Is it just here to provide good sermons? I hope to deliver a good sermon every time you come to church. But can I tell you, you can find a few good sermons on your smartphone. So the church does not exist just for great sermons. Uh, maybe it's worship music. We come together and lift our hands and sing together. Yeah, you know, there's something about singing together. But, you know, if I put my earbuds in and I put on Spotify, well, I can get into an atmosphere of worship pretty quick. So it's not just for the, for the music. Maybe it's Bible study. We learn the Word of God together. Yes, we do that. But how many know there's an app for that? There's an app that replaces, uh, or not replaces, but is capable of Bible study. So what's left on the list? So I've come to you this morning with, uh, with a few things that we are still doing in the Church of Jesus Christ that your smartphone is incapable of doing. I hope that you're ready for this list. So Acts chapter 4, verses 31 through 34, familiar scripture from the Word of God. It says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of those things that were sold. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus, remind us once again in a world that is being revolutionized by technology and information at our fingertips. God, remind us that there are some things that all this technology and information are not able to provide to us. And I'm praying today that we would lay hold of those things, God, that you have called us to lay hold of today. We're asking that you pour out your spirit once again in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. What is the church for? What can the church do that your smartphone can't? Why are we here today? And the first I want to begin with is the idea of worship. And when I talk about worship, I'm not just talking about music. We see what real worship looks like in verse 31 of our scripture. It said that when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was what? Shaken. The place where they were assembled together was shaken. That is a picture of worship. Worship is not intended to change God. We come and we tell God who he is. We proclaim his power and his might and his glory and his holiness. Worship, music will help us in the uh, the act of worship, but it is not only music. Worship is about, is about living a lifestyle in reverence and awe of God. And whenever you find a people who are truly involved in worship, you will find that the place where they assemble is shaken. Our prayer is that when we come together in the house of God, it's not just that we lift hands and clap our hands and sing our songs. It is that the place where we live, our homes, our communities, our families would be shaken with the power of the Holy Spirit. How many believe that God can still do that? How many believe that God can still shake an individual's life? Now, we see that when people come to the gospel, that when people begin to believe in Jesus Christ, that their personal lives can be shaken up, right? Right. That's what salvation is, that Jesus shakes up the things that we believe. He shakes up our worldview. He shakes up our eternal destiny. And that's what salvation is all about, when people will begin to worship. it said that as these people began to worship, the place where they were assembled was shaken. Can I remind you this morning that your, your phone cannot provide that experience to you? Even the best church app that shows you the best church service on a tiny screen cannot shake your life, cannot change you fundamentally. Worship, then, is the submission of all that we are to God. It is the quickening of our conscience by His holiness. Worship is nourishment of the mind by His truth. Worship is the purifying of the imagination by his beauty. Worship is the opening of our heart to his love, and it computes out in the submission of our will to his purpose. Did you ever wonder about worship, why God commands us to worship? He says, you must worship me. Is it because God is insecure and he needs people to remind him who he is and what he does? No. Of course not the reason that worship is so powerful the reason that a lifestyle of worship is powerful is not because it does anything to change god no it changes you in the same way that if you are in a boat and you toss out an anchor and you begin to pull on the chain that is attached to that anchor it is not that you are pulling the ground closer to yourself you are not pulling the island closer to your boat. No, when you throw out that anchor and you begin to pull on that chain, you yourself are moving closer to the solid rock that it is attached to. And that's what a, that is a perfect picture of what worship is all about. It is here in the church when we toss out the anchor of praise and worship and begin to pull tightly to it. It is not that God has changed. He is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. His holiness does not change. His righteousness does not change. He is the same. But in worship, what's happening is we are pulling, we are striving, we are getting closer to our God who is in heaven. And I want to tell you, this is something that happens in the church that no app can replace for you. True worshipers. Jesus spoke about true worshipers as he witnessed to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he said that the hour is coming when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such to worship him. I wonder, will he find someone this morning who is truly interested in worship? You know, we make a lot of noise in church services. We make a lot of noise. There's noise coming from the drums. There's noise coming from our hand claps. There's noise coming from our mouths. But sometimes I wonder how much of that noise is filtering through to the ears of God. How much of the noise that we make is truly worship? If God could put his Holy Ghost microphone at the top of this worship service today, I wonder how much would he hear? Because I want to tell you this, if all we're doing is singing a song, that's not worship. If all we're doing is clapping hands, that's not worship either. The only thing that reaches the ears of Almighty God is when we begin to surrender ourselves to the Lord and truly begin to seek him. So just because we know the lyrics of a song does not mean that we're worshiping. Just because that we're sitting in a blue chair on Sunday morning does not mean that we're truly worshiping for all the noise that is in the church today for all the uh, amazing musicians and uh, theatrical light shows that the church has to offer. I wonder today how much true worship is filtering through to the ears of God. The danger is that we begin to come for other reasons than just worshiping God. Jesus had a big problem with people who were religious, but who were not worshiping. He called them out in Matthew 15, verse 7. He called them hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied well about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. So he looked at those Pharisees. He looked at those people who were practicing outward religion, who were saying all the nice things that they could say, but all of that put it together and added up, it was not true worship. Because they were ultimately worshiping the doctrines of men more than the commandments of God. What about us? Have we become so much of a church expert That we really don't need to worship anymore? Remember the definition that I mentioned. This is something you ought to write down. It's powerful. Worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by His holiness. Worship is the nourishment of our mind by His truth. It's the purifying of our imagination by His beauty. It's the opening of our heart to His love, and it is the submission of our will to his purpose. Jesus says that all who would worship me would worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. That means it's more than just the, the goosebump feelings that we get, the tingle in the back of our neck that we feel at the best part of a song. Yes, that's wonderful. That's the spirit. But there's also the truth. Worship also must have truth involved. Sometimes the truth that will conflict with the way that we're living. Sometimes the truth that says, where is your husband? To the woman at the well. Where is your husband? Jesus asked her. And she had to be honest. She said, I've had five. And the one I'm with is not my own. And Jesus had to deal with her not only in spiritual matters, but with truth. And to begin to lead her into righteousness if one of these is missing if it's either spirit or truth but without the other then it's not truly worship i've seen people fall off the horse on the other way falling so in love with the letter of the law and with the study that they forget that there is also a spiritual activity at taking place i've seen people become professors of christianity people who have all of the doctrines memorized and have all the scriptures in their mind, but truly not spiritual people, not people of the Spirit of God. It's also not worship. We true worshipers are those who worship in spirit and in truth. And that's why it's more than just the singing of a song. Can you say amen? The word worship in the Greek is an interesting word. It's the word... Proskuneo, and it, it's it's two it's a it's a co- combined word that begins with the word pros, which means toward. It's a directional word, and then kuneo, which in the Greek literally means to kiss. It literally means to fall forward and kiss the ground in awe and in wonder. The word proskuneo. It's where we get the word prostrate. When we put ourselves on the floor in in awesome wonder and in submission to what God has done in our lives. When's the last time you did that? Because that's pretty embarrassing. When's the last time that you prostrated yourself and fell on the ground and began to worship God? That is something that happens in church. That cannot happen on your smartphone. Secondly, there's another thing that happens in church that cannot be replaced by your smartphone, and that is relationships. Relationships. This is something that we are losing in 2019. In many ways, uh, technology has, has made us more interconnected than ever before. We have more ways of texting each other, more social networks than ever before, more ways of um, transmitting information. We've got Skype to FaceTime to Facebook Messenger, on and on it goes, Twitter, Instagram, Messengers. There's a 1,000 apps just for communication, right? And yet, at the same time, we are losing our ability to build relationships. Relationships. How many of you have figured out already that it's easier to, to, to get a hold of somebody by texting them than by calling them. If you call somebody, they won't pick up the, the phone. But if you text them, boop, immediate response. It's amazing. And why, why is that? What has changed in the last 12 years since the smartphone that is, uh, and actually this began before the smartphone. How many remember the T9 keyboard on your, on your flip phone? I remember that. Even then, it was the beginning of the text message revolution where uh, instead of speaking to somebody, hearing the inflections in their voice, where well, we have now resorted to the text message. You know the problem with the text message? You can convey information with a text message very easily. That's what's convenient about it. But what you cannot do with a text message, you cannot do even with emoji characters You cannot express emotions. You cannot express how you really feel about something. And so something is lost in communication through the smartphone. There is something that takes place through the human voice, through the inflection, through the facial recognition, right? Through the facial expressions and body language. There is something that we confess. And so what I always recommend to people, if you need to communicate something important, don't text it. If it has any emotional weight or value, then call. Don't text. You know, if it's just information like uh, which, uh, which Chick-fil-A are we meeting at, the one by the church, that's OK. That, there's no emotional value to that conversation. But the moment there is emotional value, you better put down the text message, put down the iMessage, put down the chat bot, and make a phone call or meet in person. You will save yourself a whole lot of miscommunications. This is what we find in the church of Jesus Christ. This is what we have here today that cannot be replaced by a smartphone. It is not only communication with one another, relationships within the body of Christ, but it is a relationship with our Father. Listen to me carefully today. Our scripture says, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. How is that possible? How is it possible that you had uh, uh, 3,000 people who had recently given their lives to Christ There was, in addition to others who were being saved, the original disciples of Jesus. And among those many, many people, it said there was nobody among them who lacked. Nobody among them who was missing a meal. Nobody among them who was having a problem that someone else could not solve. That's interesting to me. You know why? Because it means that the people there were connected with one another. It means that uh, that, that there were people who made their needs known, and there was other people who said, "You know, I can help you with that." There was a relationship in the early church. This is something that the world cannot replace. This is something that an app cannot do for you. This is what our purpose in the church is all about. How many know that Jesus is our good shepherd, that he watches over his flock. Jesus spoke and said that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's why we're here today. We want to experience the rich and satisfying life that Jesus has for us. But see, a sheep cannot do that on their own. A sheep cannot experience the rich and satisfying life when he is isolated and separated from the rest of the flock think with me if a sheep is isolated how long is he going to last out in the wilderness with no protection with no other sheep around that thing is wolf food and is not going to last long because the sheep has no natural defenses right the sheep doesn't have sharp claws or sharp teeth the sheep is a is is not a predator it's the prey it has eyes on the side of its head that can't see very well If a sheep turns over and goes a belly up, you know, it has no natural defenses. There's there's no way that it can protect itself. And so the sheep only finds the rich and satisfying life in connection to the flock and in connection to the good shepherd. Verse 11, excuse me, Jesus also said that the good shepherd sacrifices his life or the sheep. Think about a sheep for a moment. How much is a sheep actually worth? In modern dollars, the sheep on the farm is worth about $250. You could buy a sheep for about that much. Compared to a typical workhorse on a farm, which is worth about $5,000, it's a pretty good animal, a horse is very useful on the farm. A horse is like a, a two-ton pickup truck. can carry things around. And so if you lose a horse, you know, you've, you've lost some value, but a sheep ah, eh, it's not that big of a deal. If it gets sick or, you know, you're not going to pay more than three or four hundred dollars for treatment for a sheep. Just let the thing die, because it's not really worth that much. But here Jesus says that the good shepherd sacrifices his life for a sheep. So Jesus has chosen to put value on sheep like us, even though we don't have that much spiritual value. Listen, if Jesus Christ is willing to die for sheep, that means that he has some value for them. And that means that we ought to look at one another. We ought to look across the sanctuary at one another and realize that everyone here has value. And the reason is because Jesus Christ Gave his life for the sheep. He laid down his life for Patrick in the back. He gave his life for Denise in the front. He gave his life for every individual that is here, and indeed every individual on planet Earth. And if we have value, then that means we ought to watch over and care for one another. Can I tell you, your smartphone can't do that for you. No matter how many friends you have on Facebook, no matter how many groups you might have subscribed to, no matter how many people you follow on Instagram, I want to remind you that your smartphone cannot care about you. There is no app that can replace the church of Jesus Christ when it comes to watching over your soul. This is why the Lone Ranger Christian either becomes weird or becomes backslidden. The Lone Ranger Christian, the one that says, ah, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. The Lone Ranger Christian will either begin to follow a vein of Christianity that is anti-biblical, that is strange and weird, or will outright go back to the world many times. It's very difficult to live for God in isolation. That's why the church of Jesus Christ exists. That there is an experience that happens as we gather IRL. You know what that stands for? In real life. There is an experience that happens IRL on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night that you cannot replace. I thank God for the technology that we have. As a church, we have a podcast. We put our sermons out on the internet for anyone who cares to listen to them. I've heard back, many uh, many people have responded and, and said thank you for posting all of these things. We're, we're grateful for them. They've helped us. They've been a blessing to us. But as good as that is, that can never replace what we're doing right now. The church cannot be replaced by the smartphone because it is here that we gain relationship with one another, where the good shepherd can extend his hand over his flock, and that we can... Protect one another. There are some ways this morning that the church is is uh, is becoming stronger. A church becomes stronger when it is more engaged. Listen to me carefully. What does it mean to be engaged? It means more than just holding down a seat on Sunday morning. There is something powerful when a church has high engagement. It means that there's more than just the pastor that's involved with the ministries of the church. One of the things about, one of the strengths of a small church rather than a mega church is that there is a greater opportunity for you and I to be engaged, to be active and involved in the workings of the church. We don't have to be passive observers of what's happening around us. You can be engaged. How many believe today that it is better to to have a few deep friendships than to have many shallow friendships? It is far better to have two or three people that you rely on, that you um, fellowship with, that you engage in relationship with, than to have a thousand so-called friends on Facebook. That's what we have in a community of Jesus Christ is we can build relationships that will last a lifetime and indeed will last into eternity. What we have here in the church is the opportunity for friendships, true godly friendships that can bless our souls. Deeper is better than wider. There's that old song, deep and wide, deep and wide. His love is deep and wide. And it's true that the love of Christ reaches to every corner of the earth, to every soul in every place. But I want to tell you, it's better to be deeper in prayer. It's better to have a few prayers that go deep than to have many prayers that are shallow and on the service. It's better to have a few services where we go deep into the word of God than to have many that are so shallow and meaningless. Here in the church, we experience the depth of our relationship with Christ. A pastor can, can, uh, can try to generate hype with programs and flyers and uh, stories and, and uh, videos on the screen. Maybe a pastor can generate hype to cause it more people to come, but you cannot generate hype to make a church go deep. That is a work of the Spirit of God. Deeper is better. It's healthier. And it will sustain our Christian lives over the long term. So I want to remind you that what the church had in the book of Acts, chapter 4, what they had was deep relationships with one another and with God. And that cannot be replaced by a smartphone. Finally, what can the church do that your smartphone can't? can win the lost. Our final purpose here on the earth is to be a witness, to be a witness to the world around us. It said this in our scripture, verse 33, that with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I mentioned already, we live in a time where we have more tools of communication than at any point in human history. We can broadcast through apps. We can broadcast through the air. We can broadcast. We can do amazing things with our technology. But what you cannot replace is personal evangelism and discipleship. You can't do that through an app. It can only come as a result of relationship. It said that these first believers in Acts chapter 4, that their lives were filled with The gospel of Jesus giving witness to the world that was around them. And so the three things that the church does that cannot be replaced by a smartphone. We're worshiping. We are called to watch over one another and to have relationship. And finally, to be a witness to the world around us. So what about you this morning? It says, with great power the apostles gave witness. How much power is your witness? Because the world desperately needs a powerful witness. You don't have to have a powerful, you know, uh, transformational, life-changing uh, story. You know, sometimes we hear these testimonies that are so incredible, like the the Nicky Cruz transformation, uh, who used to be this terrible uh, gangster on the streets of New York, killing people and doing drugs, and set free by the blood of Jesus. And we're so grateful for those testimonies that God has provided. But you know, you don't have to have that kind of a testimony to have a powerful witness. You could be a church kid that grew up, uh, never did any drugs, never drank any beer, never got in trouble at any parties. But you know what? Your salvation is just as powerful as the guy who's on the street. You know why? Because you you are on the same path to the same hell. And you got saved by the same blood, by the same Savior. And so the witness must have great power. We have to understand that the Lord wants us to have power in our witness. And that's why he has sent the Holy Spirit. That's why. Listen, we don't have to be witnesses in our own strength. We don't have to have convincing arguments. All we must have today is a willingness and a submission to the holy spirit. And if we will, with great power the apostles gave witness. It said great grace was upon them all. I don't know if you saw this week, but there was a real life example of great grace. There was a an a, there was a uh, event that took place in Texas, a tragic event where an off-duty police officer was coming home from her shift as a police officer, and she she accidentally went into the wrong apartment building. Maybe you've heard the story. She opened the door, and, uh, and she saw someone who she thought was an intruder in her house. And she reacted uh, out of fear and immediately pulled her weapon and shot the man. She thought he was an intruder. She was protecting her home and her life. It turned out that she had tragically... Come into her apartment building and exited at the wrong floor. And so she was on the fourth floor rather than the third floor, which is where her apartment was. So she killed a man in his own apartment as he was sitting there eating ice cream in front of the TV. A terrible, tragic event. And so she went on trial, of course. You know, it's a terrible uh, accident that took place. But it, there was an innocent life of a man was taken. And so she stood trial for murder. And she was convicted. And this week, she received 10 years, uh, like a manslaughter charge. Uh, she didn't mean to kill a man, but uh, she, it was not done out of malice. But still, a man's life was taken. And so she received a 10-year sentence in prison uh, as a result of this crime. But there on the stand, I don't know if you saw the video, there was a young man who was the brother of the victim who was killed that day. And as he's there, she's in her sentencing trial. They're trying to decide how much time to give her in prison. And he's there on the witness stand, and he begins to testify about his forgiveness toward this woman. And begin to say to all who are gathered there in the courtroom, he began to tell them, you know, I'm not angry at you. I'm not, uh, I don't have any hard feelings toward you. In fact, I don't even want you to go to jail. His brother, his name was Botham, the one that had died. And he said these words. He said, Botham would not want you to go to jail for this. And I want you to know that I forgive you. And he began to tell her right there from the witness stand, he began to speak about the love of Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that he will forgive you and he will set you free. And he said, don't let this continue in your life. And as he's there speaking, it's amazing, he's looking at this woman, he's weeping, and he speaks to the judge. He says, I don't know if this is even possible, but could I give her a hug? The judge gave her permission. He comes down off the witness stand, and there, maybe you've seen the picture, he's there embracing the woman who killed his brother. We don't often see real-life pictures of great grace, but that was it. We don't don't often see in our fallen world a picture of what great grace looks like. I want to tell you, if there is ever salvation in a life, that was it. The power to forgive a woman for shooting your brother. And the power to proclaim, I forgive you. I'm not angry. That's what great grace is all about. When it says that great grace grace was upon them all grace is something that you cannot earn grace is something that you cannot buy grace is something that is freely given this man was able to give great grace to this woman because he had already experienced great grace from jesus christ we are all here this morning we are all recipients of the grace of god you know why because we deserve the cross we deserve the pain that Jesus felt. But Jesus decided to show great grace to us, and that means that we can, ex- can begin to show the world what great grace really means. That cannot be replaced by a smartphone. There is no app that you can download that can show people great grace. And that's why the church is still here. That 2,000 years later and with all the technological advances that have taken place, the church is here in 2019 for this reason. To be a witness to the world of what great grace really means. And so I would encourage you today to be a person who exhibits true worship. A life surrendered to his purpose. To be a person who watches over in relationship with God and with others. And finally, to be an incredible witness of great grace of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes for just a few moments as we bring this service to a close. And as God's Spirit once again deals with our hearts and our lives. The gospel message is truly a beautiful and wonderful message. It's the greatest story that's ever told. It's a story that begins with the sinfulness of man. And unless you understand, until you understand that truth, you're not going to understand the gospel. The first thing you have to understand is how sinful, how broken we truly are before the Lord. How every single one of us has fallen short of God's glory. That we have committed sins, grievous sins in the eyes of God. That we all deserve condemnation and wrath from God every single one of us stands guilty before a holy God. And if today you can grasp that concept, that you are a broken and needful person in the eyes of God, that your sins have separated you from Him, then at that point you can begin to appreciate the message of the gospel, which is this, that God loves sinners. He cares about not the righteous, but He cares about the sinners, the broken. The lost. As a good shepherd seeks after the lost sheep this morning, can I remind you that God is a good shepherd and he is seeking after you today, the lost sheep. And if today you will turn from sins, you will confess and repent. The Bible says that there is a promise that waits for, for those who will do. It's the promise of new life, new birth. It's the promise of a changed heart. It's the promise of new life and new hope. When Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood and gave his body in your place. He took the punishment that he did not deserve, the punishment that we deserved, so that you and I can walk away free. You did the crimes. I did the crimes. But he paid the price for those crimes. And this morning, all that's left to do, the work of salvation has been completed at the cross. Jesus cried out from the cross and he said, it is finished. There's nothing left for you to do. No cleanup left for you to do. The only thing left is to receive this gift by faith. Receive this gift by faith. Just like on Christmas morning the presents are purchased. They've already been wrapped up. The name is on the tag. It's just for you. But the last thing left to do is to unwrap that gift receive it make it your own and i wonder this morning if that is what you have done i'm wondering today if there's anyone here that maybe you've uh you've said prayers you've been to some church services but the honest truth is that you've not expressed your faith you've not truly come to know christ as your lord and savior you've not known what it means to truly worship the lord i want to ask you one thing are you right with god And if not, I want to give you that opportunity today to lift up your hand and say, please pray for me, Pastor. I'm not right with the Lord, but I want to be. Is there anyone here being honest before God? Say, Lord, I know that I'm not right with you. I know that I'm separated from you. And I know that I need your salvation. If that's you, can I see your hand quickly this morning? Say, yes, please remember me in prayer. I'm not right with God. I've been running from God. I've been running from his presence. And I know it. I'm a prodigal son today living in the far country. And I need to come home to the Father. Is that you? Quickly, can I see your hand? Anyone at all? Quickly this morning. Calling you to salvation in Jesus Christ. Then let me speak to the church. The church is a miracle. It is an ongoing 2,000-year miracle. It's the expression of Jesus Christ in a broken and a sinful world. And I want to encourage you. We're going to open up this altar for prayer. So many of us do not appreciate the church. Don't appreciate the gathering of God's people together. We see it as just a a club. We see it as just a social gathering. We see it as just a place, you know, where we hear nice messages. But I want to encourage you this morning once again that the church is a miracle. And it is worthy of our time and our attention. It is worthy of our labor and our sacrifice. Because it is the work of God on the earth today and i want to call each and every person here today to once again appreciate the bride of christ to give her the honor that she deserves to give her the respect to treat her right to sacrifice for her because when we bless the bride we are also blessing the groom When we bless the bride when we bless the church we are helping jesus himself And so I want to ask you to to stand with me. We're going to worship God together. We're going to sing a song of praise. Can we stand in this place? We're going to open this altar for prayer. Let's come once again and say, God, I appreciate your church.
0: We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, VVPH.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, Would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.